honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hate and um, the the sort of uh, chip on the shoulder that comes from resentment, um, all those things are great motivators, but think of them as fuel and not wood to your fire. So what that means is, you know, Eventually, like if you've ever, you know, built a fire and you put some uh, gas on it, right? Um, it'll burn really quickly and it'll burn bright, it'll burn fast. Um, and that's great to start things, but ultimately you need to add more wood to capture that um, and then have that as sustainable energy. And so for me, what I really learned was, you know, this event really motivated me and, and, and the, the mantras I was saying to myself were like, I'm gonna prove them wrong. And like, they'll see who's, you know, whatever and um that doesn't last i think eventually like it burns out um and i talk about this a little bit during the blog post but um yeah i think you know that's one of the things that i really learned and i think now i've been able to find ways to find sustainable energy welcome to the strange on purpose podcast today i have on leanne leanne thanks for being here today yeah thank you for having me man yeah, no problem. Well, I said here, um, you're obviously in Detroit and I'm in Milwaukee. Uh, so we are recording via Skype. Um, but there, anybody's listening today, Leanne, you, you have an amazing journey from what I've heard in the last five minutes. Um, and what I, all the research that I did in the, in the last couple of days. And it's really cool for me to know, but I know there's a lot of people that probably don't know. So do you want to go into who you are and what you do? Yeah, totally, man. Um, so I guess I'll start all the way back um, from like when I was born, right? So like uh, I was born uh, late 90s uh, on the edge of uh, millennial and Gen Z uh, on the Gen Z side of things um, uh, in the Philippines. Uh, And then we moved to the States, to Detroit, Michigan, um, because my mom is a nurse. She works at Henry Ford Hospital, uh, has been working there since we moved to the States. Uh, but anyhow, I grew up in the Detroit and surrounding area um, pretty much all my life. Um, and then, you know, never really had a, an interest or in, even a, an awareness it, with regards to what entrepreneurship was um, until I got to college. And not even uh, when, I, when I was in like, like an actual freshman in college, but the summer before. Um, so... Uh, the summer before, I picked up this like direct sales. Uh, uh, it, it's a company that used to be a multi-level marketing company, but then they switched because they got like too much backlash to a single-level marketing company. So it was really just a sales job. Um, I didn't yeah. have to re- like recruit anyone or anything. All I had to do was just sell, um, and that really gave me kind of like a boot camp that entire summer. I did like really well for some reason. Uh, well, not for some reason. You know, I, I created my own success, um, and. Uh, actually, you know, throughout the, the first, uh, school year, uh, a few things happened, right? So, um, one, uh, I, I kept on that job because they 
were grooming me to become a manager of my own office uh, the following summer, um, which you know was one of my options. And then throughout that freshman year at Michigan, uh, the University of Michigan specifically, um, I had the opportunity to become very involved in the entrepreneurial community there. Um, Michigan, I think, actually just got um, uh, awarded the number one entrepreneurship program uh, when it comes to, I think, undergraduate education. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was part of a lot of their programs. I was part of um, a specific fellowship called the Entrepreneur's Leadership Program, um, which I think is a, a really cool program. Uh, it was taken in inspiration from the uh, the Coffin, uh, I don't know if it was the Coffin Fellows. It was, oh no, it was the Mayfield Fellows of, um, of Stanford University. Hold on, I'm okay. going to clear my throat. Okay, um, so yeah, ELP, uh, the Entrepreneur's Leadership Program, um, basically the program in a high-level overview is a year long. You start the second semester of the year. That first semester is pretty much like entrepreneurship liter literacy. Uh, so you like learn everything there is about you know starting a startup, specifically a tech startup. And so we were watching a bunch of you know like the Y Combinator videos, how to start a startup, that whole thing. They were teaching us you know, all of these different, like, uh, like all the different jargon that comes with it and like the different business models. And we had different projects that we did. Um, so pretty much like a boot camp in entrepreneurship uh, that went throughout a whole semester. Then the second part of the program was getting an internship in uh, a city at a startup, um, working directly with one of the founders or co-founders. Um, and so uh, after that, the uh, following semester, uh, you're, do, you're supposed to do a capstone project, which is kind of like, um, okay, you've learned a crap ton about entrepreneurship. You intern directly for a founder of a startup. Like, what do you want to do now? Like, what can you do now? Like, let's, let's do something with these skills. Um, overall, great program. Recommend it for anyone uh, in that position or if, any, if somebody's going to school um, and they have something similar. I think it's a great way to, to kind of cut your teeth, especially if you don't know too much about entrepreneurship. Um, but anyway, long story short, did that program, got an internship in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Bay Area, the tech mecca of the world, you know. Um, and that summer, actually, a, a few things happened that I know are pretty life changing. And I think, you know, generally the way I think about uh, how things happen is, um, a lot of things can be life changing. I, I frankly, I think a lot of you know mm -hmm. small decisions are life changing because you know if you don't make one certain decision and like five years from now, like in hindsight, you realize that you're like, oh man, my life could have been totally different, um, which is a tangent. But anyway, <laughs> back to the story. <laughs> um, okay, so so that summer, couple core things happened, right? So number one, uh, context: I was in San Francisco, Silicon Valley interning at you know a four full-time uh, person startup doing business development as an internship um, working directly with the CEO of the company who had like spun this company out of uh, General Electric because he won their in-house or their internal pitch competition which is crazy um, and so we were in an incubator I was living that kind of life I was living in downtown San Francisco it was great and it was a great experience um, but at the same time I took a uh, marketing job, um, uh, assisting, um, you probably know her, Izzy, um, Mahak Bora. 
um, okay. with Jamoka Media. Yeah, and, nice. and so we had like a mutual connection and that's how we connected. She was looking for somebody help, to help her out that summer. So I ended up working with her and she introduced me to like one, the uh, like the growth hacker community. Um, and this was back in like 2017. So it was before really uh, we reached peak growth hacker. <laughs> yeah. It was before LinkedIn really started to get popping. Um, uh, and it was only like really the, the initiated who, who knew about it. Um, but, but that community as well as the, uh, the Teal Fellow community, so a community of a bunch of like college dropouts. Um, and so uh, fast forward throughout that summer, you know, um, I uh, ended up dropping out um, partly because I met a bunch of dropouts and they were like, hey, you know, I feel like you could do this too. And I was like, you know what, I might do it. Um, so that there, that was one factor. Another factor was, um, one thing that I didn't mention throughout this whole story is in the mean, uh, for like the past six months at this time, I had applied to and was accepted to, um, a program called Mission U, which is a, a college alternative program. It's not, um, uh, function. It, it doesn't exist anymore. It was, uh, uh absorbed by WeWork. Um, but uh, I was accepted into that. Um, and so that's kind of what, what spurred me to actually drop out. Um, and at the same time, I just got a crap ton of validation just, just personally, um, that like, oh yeah, I can do this. I think, um, I'll be, I'll be able to make it work. Um, yeah. And then, oh man, I, I'm going to like really fast forward through this. So, um, <laughs> fall 2017, I moved back to Ann Arbor, um, and I originally had the intent to move back out to one of the coasts, either New York, SF, or LA. Um, ended up uh, choosing to stay in town because I caught the uh, the Detroit Renaissance bug. Um, and so, if anybody's heard much about like what's happening in Detroit, there's a lot um, kind of uh, spurring, you know. And I think we're we're starting to come to a point where um, Detroit's starting to become more of a destination again. Um, and yeah. not just, you know, the, the bankruptcy city. Um, but yeah, so I started a podcast here, networked a crap ton. Um, I mean, it's a very small community, uh, even now as we're growing and continuing to grow. Um, but I think that just goes to show, you know, when you're in a smaller community, that's, that's tighter knit. Um, once you, uh, hang out enough, uh, hang out at like happy hours and events and whatnot, um, people start to accept you. And so, uh, interviewed a bunch of people for my podcast, just got connected with a crap ton of people, um, ended up just like freelancing, doing marketing, media, uh, producing digital media, like uh, podcasts and videos and uh, a little bit of copywriting, um, stuff like that. And then um, now I run marketing um, at a company called Ash and Erie. We're an e-commerce direct-to-consumer uh, clothing brand that makes clothes specifically for men under five foot eight, uh, which I definitely fall into. Um, <laughs> um, fun facts about the brand. Uh, we were on Shark Tank, I think back in like 2016, 2017-ish. Um, way before I joined, um, uh, the founders, Eric and Steven, recently, uh, this past cohort of the Forbes 30 Under 30 group uh, were awarded in uh, e-commerce um, and, you know, uh, local newspaper, like 20 in their twenties, like the whole shebang. Um, so it's a really fun brand to be working for. I mean, over the past like month and a half or month and three weeks so far, I've been like inundated with work, which is all exciting because, you know, it's stuff that I really enjoy. 
Um, but yeah, that was a very, very, I think, uh, detailed um, <laughs> backstory. Yeah. But uh, now we're here to today. So Nice, nice. Well, that's awesome. And just hearing that story and everything that you've been through, um, that's, that's amazing. And anybody that is listening, this is my first time hearing that story too. And I hope you guys are, took as much of it as I did because that's, that's honestly amazing. Uh, but let's talk about now with this Ashenary uh, brand. How cool is it for you to actually sit down and say, hey, I can probably approach any of these CEOs and they won't look down on you kind of like some of the other companies out there would. Yeah. Um, so, so by that, do you mean like working with them or? Yeah, just more of how cool is it to you like being able to, hey, I can go into this person's office and they, he's not going to give you or she's not going to give you a dirty look or anything like that. Kind of like these bigger brands kind of do on interns or people in marketing or people just starting off. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think um, now, I mean, it's it's definitely exciting and it's definitely validating. I think, you know, a, a couple things um, to kind of turn it back to any of the listeners, a couple of things that have to happen to get to that point. I think number one, um, uh, I, I mentioned that that summer, summer 2017, I just gotten a, a ton of validation. I think over time as well, I'd gotten a lot more validation. And I think um, this is one of my theories uh, of like life, like one of them. Um, like I think uh, when you're starting out and when you don't exactly you know, know what you want to do and, and you don't exactly know like what kind of dent you want to make in the universe, but you know you want to make a dent, um, I think it is important to um, acquire as much external validation as necessary. Um, but there comes a point in time where we have to switch between um, relying on external validation and like, you know, mentors co-signing you and, you know, different jobs that like take a chance on you and, you know, people that like write you an email back or connect with you or follow you on Twitter or whatever, right? Any sort of external validation. Um, there comes a point in time where you have to switch to internal validation. And so I think when that happens, the, the magic really happens. Um, and I think, you know, I, I can't really pinpoint exactly when I switched over to uh, internal validation. I think it, frankly, it's an ongoing process for me and especially a lot of other people. Um, but, you know, now, especially with um, Ash and Erie being a smaller brand, being in Detroit, so local, and frankly, they're not being a, a huge talent pool, especially for uh, marketers and, and whatnot in the, the local vicinity. I think uh, now it's been uh, very exciting and, and, and very um, uh, opportunistic to be able to, you know, just walk up to someone uh, and, and just have a conversation with them as if, you know, you were one of their peers. Uh, but I think, you know, frankly, uh, people can do that at any time. You know, they just have to believe in, self, believe in themselves enough as cliche as it sounds it's just like yeah. hey look i mean uh, part of it's just like how you dress how you uh present yourself that kind of thing and like if you have sort of an aura of maturity um then people will be like holy crap i did not know you were that young like i remember i was at a conference in ohio and i was 19 at the time i was hanging out with people who were like late 20s early 30s or whatever um and we were at uh, <laughs> We were at um, uh, a, a restaurant or whatever, and um, uh, I was like, oh, um, sorry, I, 
I can't drink. And they're like, oh, you, do you not drink or something? And I'm like, no, I, I just can't. Um, and they're like, why not? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not necessarily of age. And I was 19, right? And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> how, how old are you? And I'm like, guess. And they're like, well, I mean, I thought you were like 23 or 24 or something, but I guess you have to be under 21. Like, are, are you 20 or something? When do you turn 21? I'm like, I'm 19. And they're like, you're 19. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh gosh. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome. I mean, what you said is perfect though. At the end of the day, like at the end of the day, you have to have that belief in yourself in order to say, Hey, X, Y, Z. I mean, for me, like I used to work for, um, a startup in Milwaukee and started sports and entertainment brand. And I didn't know, I wish I would have listened to the back of my head, but, um, I used to like had my degrees in sports management. I used to love going to work for them. And people were like, Oh no, get a job with the brewers, get a job with the Bucks. Like, what are you doing? And I used to love going to work with them because like, yo, I can go and chill with the VP of tickets or the VP of marketing or anything like that. And, um, any of my pro I'm working underneath all these big people. Right. And I can honestly just go up to them at the same time. I was interning for the brewers and everything like that, but I had, and, and the bucks as well, but I had like all these internship coordinators. I never dealt with who I should be dealing with. Mm. And, um, when I used to go to company at the time was called MKE sports and entertainment. I love their branding too. It was black and white, but it was, it was something that like, I can go up to the CEO and be like, yo, I think you should do this. And he would honestly say, wow, I, I think you're right. And just little stuff like that where, hey, empowering your employees, they've since kind of gone away from that and they've seen a drop in the culture and everything like that. But just empowering your employees, that, that made me want to keep coming to work, right? And that made me want to continue to show up and take more hours at this job that I, was, I mean, internship that I was unpaid and the brewers were paying, um, which was yeah. very eye opening to me. Yeah. And very, and, very eye opening. And real quick, um, something that, that, that just came up, I think one thing too, um, something like tangible that people can take away is like the more exposure, uh, and the more experiences you can have, uh, and get where you're like interfacing quote unquote with people, of, you know, uh, a, a high caliber of, you know, uh, uh, an A player, so to speak, the more often you can do that, um, whatever the conversation is, I think the more, um, you know, the more used to it you get, um, especially being able to, you know, converse, like at least just hold a conversation with them, right? Like um, one story from when I was still a freshman at, um, at Michigan, it was, it was that fall, it was the first fall semester. So it was like, Football season, you know, Michigan is a very big sports school, especially football and basketball. Um, and the the business school at Michigan is called the Ross School, the Ross School of Business, um, named after Stephen Ross, who's the owner of the Miami Dolphins, business partner with Gary Vaynerchuk, runs a company called RSC Ventures. Um, on a, and on a side note, recently just got caught under fire for supporting the uh, current <laughs> president. Anyway, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he, this guy's like a big time billionaire, right? Um, so, and again, this was freshman year, you know, first couple months, um, I was at school. I would gotten wind from a friend of mine, um, who had said, you know, Hey, there's this very exclusive tailgate. That's only for, you know, um, certain like, 
uh, uh, donors and like regents and whatever. It was called the Regents and Presidential Tailgate. And I was like, oh, are you going? And he's like, yeah, like uh, uh, this guy on my floor invited me. And I'm like, oh, bet. Do you think I can come? And like I, I knew the guy, too. So it wasn't like completely a stranger. Uh, but he was like, I'll ask. And then he asked. Um, and uh, basically, I, I came through. And um, lo and behold, um, Stephen Ross was at the tailgate. And so my friend oh, and I, uh, Max is his name, we're freaking out over here, right? We're, he's like 40 feet away from us. He's literally just like um, at like the buffet table, like putting food on his plate, <laughs> which is hilarious, right? You, like it's a billionaire and like yeah. his own food on his plate. Um, but, but we're like, oh my God. So we like walk up there and then this first time we're just like freaking out. So we like, we go back down. And so like, fortunately he was like still there, but like we, we were talking to, um, the, the friend's parents, the friend that got us in the tailgate and they were just like, just go like, he's a human. And we're like, you know what? You're right. And so we go up there and my friend Max like opens the conversation, um, with like, Hey, Mr. Ross, I'm in your business school. Um, and like, so we just end up getting into a conversation and, um, uh, long story short, you know, I got to talk to him too. Uh, we ended up talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and so that kind of just like spurred me to like, uh, start a pursuit of wanting to talk to very, to Gary Vaynerchuk, which I was able to do the summer 2017, which is, I had mentioned, you know, one of the validating things. And so, um, just the more, you know, my point being the more often, you can have those sorts of um, experiences and interactions with people that you regard so highly, um, the more used to it you'll get, right? And so um, I, I forget who coined the quote, but it's like, um, you can't be what you can't see, uh, and, and specifically who you can't see. And so the more often you can you know, get yourself in the same rooms, the same conversations, um, you know, the same vicinity as these people and just look to see, you know, they're normal and like, mm -hmm. they just, you know, did a lot of things correctly in their life. And, and when you talk to them, they, they talk to you like you're a normal person. I think, you know, the more exposure you can get in that regard, the, the better off you are. Yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, perfectly said, I'm not even going to follow up that. that. That was really good. Um, and it's so true, but you brought up Gary V, right. And, uh, you, you kind of, you made it one of your things to speak to someone. Uh, as of his caliber and specifically him. Um, so right now, me, well, Q, I'm participating in Q's uh, Before 2020 campaign. And both him and I have this Before 2020, we want to chat with John Henry, something that you were able to do. Um, Detroit Startup Week, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, during Detroit Startup Week, what did, like, what did you learn from that conversation? That, that guy is just, I, he's doing so many different things. I mean, something like Gary Vee, um, but he's also uh, putting a step forward for people of color and people of different races and stuff like that. What it, what were you able to learn from sitting down with him and chatting for how, however long you went? Yeah, so um, real quick backstory behind that. It was actually very, like, last minute. Um, so Detroit Startup Week is one of the largest um, startup events. It's a week-long event, you know, done by Techstars, um, along with a couple other collaborators per city. Um, startup, week, startup Week is like a, a national, if not global, event, right? And last year, 2017, uh, or no, 2018, wow, 
2018, I had the opportunity to be one of the uh, core organizers of the event. And so uh, this year, I, I haven't, I wasn't as uh, involved. Uh, I was barely involved at all. But anyway, um, so this past year, um, a few things happened to bring John Henry to Detroit. Number one, um, so Harlem Capital, uh, one of the four partners um, is from Detroit. His name's Henri, and uh, he's great. Uh, went to school here. So um, they already had a tie, as well as um, so Backstage Accelerator um, out of the four locations. Detroit is also one of the locations. Um, and my friend Monica Wheat uh, runs that here. Um, and so through you know Harlem Capital, through Backstage Accelerator, John came for a previous event. And then um, since Monica and the associate um, Tops, his real name's Toppin, um, they pitched the idea of John coming back and doing a keynote or something like that at Startup Week, which is how we got him here. Um, and then that morning, uh, Monday morning of Startup Week, it was like the kickoff event, right? Um, John was supposed to speak. And, and Monica actually was supposed to interview him. Um, and I, I was there early. I was like really excited to like, you know, get to get to hear what John and, and Monica had to say uh, during their fireside. But, you know, as life happens, uh, Monica's Uber uh, to the event got in a car accident. And oh, um, wow. yeah, she was totally fine. It, just a little bit shaken. It was just like a fender bender, but they had to stop exchange info, whatever. Um, so um, when they got that new, when we got that news, um, they were like, uh, okay, well, so we need somebody else to interview. Um, and then I just like had jokingly said like, why don't I interview him? And then um, uh, one of the other organizers, he was like, yeah, sure, why not? Because like he had known, you know, I, I had helped organize it the year before. Um, I did a pod, I, I've been doing a podcast. And so he was like, okay, yeah. And so on that, at on the spot, I was just like coming up with questions, um, which wasn't too difficult since I'd been following uh, John Henry for, for about a couple of years now. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, uh, I mean, to answer your question, the things I learned, I mean, frankly, I, I learned them because uh, there were topics that he had hit on before. There were topics that I, I'd come across uh, before. But I think generally, you know, just the way he does things, um, especially, you know, in comparison to a few other like entrepreneurial influencers, quote unquote, um, the way he does things, I think, is just so unique to um, what he's done and what he's trying to do. Um, and he's very, he's very real and he's very, um, um, uh, honest about like what he's working on. Right. Like I remember seeing on Twitter him talking about like, it's been a while, frankly, since he's actually been an operator of something, right? Like right now he's doing, you know, Harlem capital, uh, he's doing, you know, his, his personal brand stuff. So like speaking and traveling and whatnot, uh, which includes vice land, um, and a few other things. Uh, and he's doing, you know, some like real estate stuff, um, just like developing properties and whatnot. Um, but it's been a while since, you know, he sold his um, dry cleaning startup and did his incubator, right? So um, he was just like talking about how like, uh, not necessarily rusty he was, but he was just having a real conversation about like, if I were to go back, like I know I would have to like relearn some things. Uh, and so part of why uh, I'm, uh, from him, part of why I'm like uh, pushing this content and creating this content is so like I can actually remind myself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, nothing really stood out to me in terms of like 
how he sees things. I, I think, you know, generally I'm excited about um, what he's doing just, just in, um, in under, uh, I, hate, I hate the word, but like underserved communities. Um, yeah. I think De Detroit is, is one of the examples, right? Like, uh, I mean, any city in the Rust Belt, right? Like Detroit, Milwaukee, um, you know, not necessarily Chicago, since that's a little bit of a bigger city, but um, uh, Columbus, Indianapolis, et cetera, um, most cities in the Rust Belt um, are, you know, underserved. And, and so there's, there's a great opportunity um, that people have started to uh, capitalize on. Uh, and so, you know, John and, and his whole crew with Harlem Capital are um, starting to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't think they have any investments in uh, Detroit yet, but I do know they have one um, based out of Columbus, um, that's uh, Aunt Flo, Claire Coder, um, who's also a badass. Um, she's just amazing. She's an Ohio State dropout. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, she didn't say nice. I mean, it tastes her own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like, John is generally a, a great guy. He, he's just like, that wasn't... Actually, that also wasn't the first time I had interacted with him, because um, he's been in Detroit a couple more times. But um, yeah. That's awesome. I, I think what's that the thing that stands out to me the most is that he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. dirty. Um, the thing that comes to mind is, I think it was like two, three weeks ago, he literally was cleaning crap off of one of his properties, like walls or something like that. And he posted on Instagram and it wasn't for the clout, so to say, but it was more to show like, yo, you have to do these things if you want the ultimate prize. Um, so it was, it's definitely interesting just to follow his journey and just hear how he started as a doorman to where he is now. Um, even before he was a doorman, just his upbringing, everything like that. So, um, that's awesome. And I think there's something to say about Detroit, right? You, you decided not to go to the coast and you decided to stay in Detroit and you, uh, before you started to stay and everything like that, you worked on a brand called Polar Vortex. Do you want to go into that a little bit? And tell everybody because maybe not too many people know about what the brand was and what it stood for. Yeah, definitely. So um, Polar Vortex was um, a side, is a very, you know, fast side project um, that a friend of mine and I did um, earlier this year. Um, so for those who aren't in like the Midwest slash like Northeast area of um, the United States, uh, the polar vortex is a phenomenon that happens um, every year. In this past year, it's been um, at its you know coldest, but it's essentially a phenomenon where you know the uh, the the pattern of like the weather or something just like brings a lot of like snowstorms and like uh, like one a lot of snow too. You know, very very cold for us. We got all the way down to like I think like the negative like nine area or something, but in some areas, you know, I think Chicago was one of them. It got all the way down to like double digit, double digit mm -hmm. negative numbers, which is just crazy to think about, right? Like I, I can only imagine what you guys in, in Milwaukee um, got. Um, and so uh, polar vortex generally, you know, is, is just a very cold <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was at home one day working from home um, uh, during the polar vortex. And I uh, had been like, up to that point, I had been, you know, seeing a lot of social media posts um, since it was cold um, about, you know, like promoting ho homeless shelters and, you know, uh, asking for volunteers to help 
um, you know, shuffle in homeless and, and help, you know, pass out food and, and warm um, clothing and whatnot um, because it was so cold. And frankly, if you stood outside for any period of time when uh, the polar vortex was at its coldest, like you would die. I mean, I think last I remember, um, there were, I think, total in total eight deaths that happened. Um, the majority of them happened because somebody stood outside for too long um, or somebody, you know, uh, uh, like, yeah, somebody was just in, in the wrong place at the wrong time or had um, didn't have access to shelter. Um, and so I saw this and I was like, well, I mean, you know, shared a little bit, um, but I was like, man, like, wish there was something else to do, you know, like, frankly, I have to work. And so I can't necessarily volunteer my time or I mean, like, I just am not able to make it happen. Um, but I had also, you know, had been scrolling on Twitter around that time and uh, saw a tweet from a friend of mine saying like, oh, Polar Vortex uh, kind of sounds like a really cool brand name. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. And in this like, bout of like, creativity and just like, I had an itch that I really wanted to scratch in like the e-commerce space. Um, I was like, okay. I So as soon as I saw that tweet, I uh, opened a new tab, went to um, Namecheap, bought polarvortex.co, um, registered like uh, the Instagram and the Twitter, um, and then just like started planning stuff out. And so um, within I think five days of the idea, um, I had gotten a website up, gotten like mock-ups for the pictures. Um, I had um, uh, gotten um, a few press pieces written on it. Um, one being 1:37 p.m., uh, which is you know uh, one of Gary Vaynerchuk's things. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the whole goal with it was one for me internally to, or just personally to, um, like. Uh, scratch my own itch in terms of, you know, starting a e-commerce brand. Um, and two, it was, you know, it had, you know, a, a sort of a social goal of um, giving back to homeless shelters uh, where, you know, we committed to giving 50% of the net profits to homeless shelters in the Detroit area. Um, and so it was just very much so like a, a very like fast thing that happened. Um, and we ultimately ended up shutting it down um, after a month of running it. Um, you know, sold um, a couple T-shirts uh, and whatnot. I think it was a great learning experience from the e-commerce perspective. Um, but I think, you know, frankly, it was just a really um, fun experience for for Tyree and I. Tyree's the uh, guy who helped me with everything. He he was the main designer. Um, but but yeah, it was it was overall a fun experience. And I think um, if I hadn't done that. Uh, I wouldn't be as well equipped as I would uh, now doing marketing at a, uh, a, a an e-commerce brand. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just hearing the message behind it, and you just taking that leap, right? And make saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this." Within a few days, you had uh, press from arguably one of the biggest media outlets and stuff like that. That's that's an amazing amazing to hear. But we ask a couple questions on the podcast and. Um, I want to make sure I hit them. Um, and I, I'm going to hit you with a deep ones or a dark, not deep. I almost said dark one. Wow. I'm going to hit you with a deep one here. Um, so what do you think the most pivotal moment in your life has been to help you, to help shape you into who you are today? Ooh. Um, the way I'm going to answer that is uh, the event that I think really 
kind of like shook me to my core. Um, And, you know, I don't really want to go too deep into it. Um, There's a blog post waiting to happen. Um, I had kind of, one thing that I do that's a real quick tangent is every year, so my birthday is early January. And so every year I take that opportunity to reflect on the previous year. Um, and I sum it all up into one learning, uh, one theme that I've learned. Um, and that goes into, that manifests into two things. One, a blog post typically, um, and two, a tattoo. Um, so I started doing that two years ago and now I have two tattoos and two blog posts. (laughs) Um, but, and I mentioned it, uh, this past blog post, uh, when I turned 21, um, and I didn't like fully go into it. Um, but, uh, it, it was an event that, just really, uh, again, it shook me to my core. Um, it was, uh, the way, the way I'll put it is, you know, I was part of a very, uh, at the time tight knit community. Um, and, you know, long story short, I had, uh, some personal drama between me and someone else, um, had, um, and it was purely social, you know, fortunately, um, it wasn't, you know, any like sexual harassment um, or anything like that. It was, it was purely, you know, not even just social, but but kind of professional. Um, it, long story short, this event um, essentially ended up, you know, landing me as a uh, uh, as ostracized from that community. And again, th- this was this was a community that I had very uh, that I had held myself. Uh, or held near and dear to my heart. I thought, you know, people uh, that were in that community that I was with, my peers, uh, my group um, would be, you know, the best friends um, until, you know, the end of time and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it, it just didn't end up so. Um, and and it really, um, I mean, I, I'll send you the blog post. I, I don't necessarily want to go too in depth, but um, it's, yeah, it, it took a lot of, coping, um, and, and, and took a lot of learning. And I think it really, um, uh, there were things that I learned from it that I had started to adjust, uh, the way I did things, um, personally and professionally. Um, and it really kind of made me take a, take a, a couple steps back, um, to, uh, like deal with it one, but two, uh, to grow from it, um, and to use it as, um, not just a motivator, but also use it as um, just something that I can uh, have, like an experience that I can have that um, I will always hold as a learning experience, but always, you know, be able to relate to other people. And so, you know, the ma- one of the main uh, learning thing, uh, one of the main learnings that I got from that event um, that I- I'll relay here is... Um, hate and um, the, the sort of uh, chip on the shoulder that comes from resentment. Um, all those things are great motivators, but think of them as fuel and not wood to your fire. So what that means is, you know, eventually, like if you've ever, you know, built a fire and you put some uh, gas on it, right, um, it'll burn really quickly and it'll burn bright, it'll burn fast. Um, and that's great to start things, but ultimately you need to add more wood to capture that, um, and then have that as sustainable energy. And so for me, what I really learned was, you know, this event really motivated me and, and, and 
the the mantras I was saying to myself were like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And like, they're, they'll see who's, you know, uh, whatever. And um, that doesn't last. I think eventually like it burns out. Um, and I talk about this a little bit during the blog post, but um, yeah, I think, you know, that's one of the things that I really learned. And I think now I've been able to find ways to find sustainable energy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to read it, it'll probably come out eventually. So just like, wait, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries. Where can, where can people find those blog posts? Yeah, it's on, uh, it's on medium. Um, so just look up, uh, Leanne Abad and then medium, and then, you know, it's still up there. It'll be, uh, I think like 21 or something. Um, 21 colon, uh, my hardest year so far or something like that. Um, yeah. it's on my medium. I mean, I don't have too many posts on there, so <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, um, before we wrap up, I have to ask two more questions. Um, they're very misfit questions, so please bear with me. Uh, the first thing is, it goes off the title of the podcast that you're on, what makes you strange on purpose? Ooh, strange on purpose. So what makes me strange on purpose, I really think is just the way, um, I think the way I like brainstorm and like the way I, uh, I create, um, like, for some reason, I don't know, I haven't been able to find a good answer as to why I do this, um, but I have found a few others who do this as well, so I don't, I'm not the only one, but like, I literally, um, like in preparation for this and like, um, as, as I'm like brainstorming and, and coming up with, with different things um, that I'm creating or, or campaigns or whatever, um, I really, like, I literally think out loud to myself and like I have full-blown conversations to myself and um, it's just so like, it's so odd. Cause like, sometimes I forget, like, like I, so this morning I was in the office like super early um, and nobody else was there. Um, it's an open office space. Uh, so there are like other companies there and whatnot. And I'm just like, legitimately like having a conversation. Like, I don't know, like sometimes I just like tangent off into my head, um, which is one why I started journaling to try and like get actual, you know, notes down on paper. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, uh, stra being strange on purpose and, and, and having that, I think really, um, it's just, you know, owning who I am. And I think I've always done that, right? I, I think partly it's because um, I have a, a tendency to like rehearse things uh, so that I sound like well-spoken, um, which, you know, I, I think <laughs> for, for in the context of like this podcast, right, like in, in preparation, like, in other podcasts that I've done, like just different questions and things that I can think of, like pretending, like like visualizing that you like ask me a question and then me answering it and being like, and then just like awkward silence for myself. <laughs> and then like going to another point, like it's just so weird sometimes. But um, yeah, I don't know if that was a great answer, but. <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine. Do you think that's also what makes you a misfit? I think it's definitely one factor. I think, um, like, I think really what, it, the way I look at being a misfit is just like owning it. You know, I think, I think the yep. best misfits really just like, they don't even have to be aware of it. I think just like, I think the, the ones who are not aware of it, um, no, like it can't hold them back. Right. Um, but the ones who are aware with it, uh, aware of it, I think you're able to, you're presented with a choice to either let it cripple you or let it empower you. So I think, you know, in terms of like being that. 
yeah, in, in terms of being a misfit, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of the factors, but I think, you know, my brain, I feel just runs a thousand miles a minute. Like there's so many different thoughts and like, you know, we could sort of go into like meditation and like that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a lot going on. <laughs> You're not out there alone. I, I can give you that because I mean, you should hear Q talk to himself in the morning. I talk to myself, our videographer, I, everybody talks to themselves and we're in an all open office setting too. So you can imagine Diz going, huh, what? Um, all the time. And people just asking like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. I'm just talking to myself. Um, and I love the answer, just owning it at the end of the day. And that's, that's what's important. And that's why kind of, um, everybody can kind of relate to, uh, if you want to relate to MK misfits or Detroit misfits or whatever you want to relate to the word misfit is just so relatable, whether you were a misfit when you were little, you are now, or 10,000 years from now, hopefully that we don't have to die or whatever happens, um, happens. And just owning who you are and what you want to do and not, I mean, not giving a shit about what other people think. I think that's, that's the main thing. And that's what being a misfit's all about. And um, I think you, I, I, you've joined a, a very tight knit misfit community and I don't think um, you're ever going to let go of that, whether you're in Detroit or anything anywhere else. So I appreciate you jumping on today. The last question I have for you is where can people find you? Yeah. So, um, the most active platform uh, as of late is definitely Instagram. I think Twitter, if you want to have conversations and just kind of generally see. I, Twitter, I think, is the platform that I'm most proud of. I, I recently just started doing like the tweet threads and whatnot, and I've gotten like a crazy amount of followers and like a lot of people that I've been following in the direct consumer e-commerce space um, like followed me and I'm like, whoa, this is wild. Um, nice. but, but Instagram and Twitter, my handles are the same. It's at L E A N N underscore A B A D. Um, and then a LinkedIn, I, it's just my name, Leanne Abad, or if you want to go, you know, the, just the URL, it's linkedin.com slash in slash Leanne Abad. Um, and then, yeah, I think those are the main things to follow me on. Um, I had been debating doing a newsletter, uh, but haven't put much love into that yet. I think there's just a lot going on, but uh, yeah, follow me on those things, reach out. Uh, that's it. This is a Q question, so I lied. This is uh, the last one wasn't that <laughs> question. Um, this is a Q question. Are you on TikTok? Oh man, I am, but I haven't created content yet. I just have been using it for like research purposes and like yeah. I what I've been doing um, real quick, I've been like, trying to find like different trends on TikTok and like look at what different brands are doing um, as well as like cross-referencing that with like the Spotify like top viral hits or whatever. Um, yeah. And so it's been fun to watch. Um, frankly, it's been a little like, it makes me feel a little bit weird now that I'm like, old, like way older than 18. And so like, yeah. like an adult and like a lot of these are like kids and I'm just like, ooh, it feels kind of creepy. But <laughs> I think if I just if I just stay in the mindset of using it for research purposes, I, I think I I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I actually had a uh, discussion with Q today, and he was like, "Hey, 
I, I know I have this obsession with TikTok right now, but I feel like I shouldn't call it an obsession because there's nothing but young kids on it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you pr- exactly. probably should use some different language on there. But yeah, um, yeah. I'm very excited to see how he and I don't know if we're going to use it as a team just yet, but I'm excited to see his research and your research to see how um, you use it with Ashineri or yourself or anything like that. But I appreciate you jumping on today. I'll keep you for two seconds after. But thank you for jumping on Strange on Purpose. And anybody listening, please go follow. Appreciate it. Thank, thank, thank Take you. care, everybody.